if you just watch this, if you just slot it in, you know, or just watch the, the, the broadcast, I've, what I've just said is I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about, um, you know, how to live the freedom in your life. And this is what I say, what we basically said is, if God saves you, what did he save you from? He saves us from, he saves us from death. What death? Death in the physical body. That's what he said to Adam. He says, Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The day you eat thereof, you will surely die. So, and what happened to Adam? You know, he entered into a system, the law, that brought forth death eventually in his life because he could not partake of God's quality of life by his own works. He couldn't bring forth enough holiness so that he could actually have life by that holiness. So what God does is, number one, God redeems us. He's got the ability to raise a dead body. So even if you should have sins in your life and you die, he possesses the ability to raise a body that has died on account of sin. So even should you have died, you know, and Jesus return, you will be raised from the dead. He's got that ability. So we don't have that whole system has now been taken away. Isn't that awesome? But he also possesses the ability to raise your life up into a life that looks like his life by, the, by bearing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So, Jesus Christ came to save you from, number one, death. How does death come to you? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. That is 1 Corinthians 15 right there. He wants to save you from death, but the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So what must he do to save you from death? He must take away the law, take away sin, and in doing that, he'll conquer over death, and then you can live. Amen. That's what he, what he has to do. So what did Jesus Christ come to do? He came, and what did he do? He fulfilled the law. He took away not just the, he didn't only fulfill the, the law as the written law, he even ended the system that says we shall have life by what we do, uh, what Adam did. He ended that. He became sin for us upon the cross so that we can see all sin die, so that we can believe all sin has died, even our sin. And as a man believes in his heart, so is he. He conquered death, you know, by being raised from the dead. He died. And then was raised from the death. So he ended the law, ended sin, and conquered death. Now, in the Trinity, we see a man seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, what can we expect today on account of that? <laughs> man, I want to tell you as I preach this, I just feel a joy in my heart, man. I feel so... <laughs> I feel so happy and I can just see some people at their houses just say, yes, amen, you know, where there's more than one or maybe you're alone saying that. You know, there's just a joy in my heart. He conquered death. He was raised from the dead. And now he preaches this gospel to us so that we can now have ample proof that says we are not under the law anymore. 
our sin has died, a man has conquered death, and a man is seated at the right hand of the Father, that means I don't have to live by the law, I don't have to live in sin or the bondage of sin, and neither do I have to partake of death. Even if I should die, I shall be made immortal on account of Christ and so be with Him forever. And I can expect the Spirit that brought forth life in Christ, if I have that Spirit, what will that Spirit do? He'll do the same to me so that I will have the life that God has on account of the Spirit and not my works. That we call the ministration of the Spirit. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Now, let us just read a verse quickly. We're going to read, um, let us go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. It says there, Christ has set us free. I'm reading from the message. Oh, let me first read it uh, so that we can just have some authority here from the King James. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again, or I say again, that every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become to no effect unto you. Whosoever you, um, of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now, let me read that in the message. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I'm emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submit to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at the same moment Christ's heart-won gift of freedom is squandered. Man, we don't want to do that. So listen to what he says here. Circumcision or any other rule-keeping system. The gift is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the way of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Now, this is really, really something. What he talks about here, he says, <clears throat> Christ has set us free with a certain freedom. And he wants us to walk in the freedom uh, that he has set us free with. Now, we have not only been set free from the law. We have been set free from the law for a purpose. The reason we are set free from the law is so that we will not be in the bondage of the fruit of the flesh. That is why he has set us free. And as we go through the book of Ephesians, we are now in Ephesians chapter 4. And when you get to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 5, you get to those passages that Man, our grace preachers, we just keep away there, you know. It's some difficult passages. We, you know, don't, don't preach on those or go there and um, just say, oh, well, it will happen if you're in grace. It will come forth. But how do you explain those verses? And Paul comes in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read some of that now. Um, well, during the service, we'll read that. When he says, don't lie to each other, uh, talk the right thing. So, and he just comes and lays down some rules. And it sounds as if it's such a legalistic thing. But 
Paul comes and he lays a foundation in the first three, actually four chapters. You know, the first three chapters, a little bit into the fourth chapter, he lays such a beautiful foundation up to chapter 4 verse 17. Beautiful foundation of how you're going to get it right. That's why he says, you know, let him that steal, steal no more. That let talks about allow yourself not to steal anymore. There's an allowing that takes place in your heart, which we're going to look at. So here he comes and he says, uh, and, and the reason, even in Galatians 5, <clears throat> Galatians, if you go and read on verse 17 and onwards, he says, I don't want you to go back to legalism. Why? Because if you go back to legalism, the fruit of the flesh will start to manifest in you. And I don't want you to be in bondage again to the fruit of the flesh. And let's just read that quickly in verse uh, 17. Here it is. Um, let me find just the King James here. It says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. It goes on, and then it says here, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So here we see this absolute bondage, you know, and the manifestation of bondage in a person's life. And he comes in verse 1 and he says, stand fast with the liberty you've been uh, set free with, because he, he doesn't want us to have this yoke of bondage again. And that yoke of bondage is the bondage of doing something you don't want to do. That's what Paul says. He was in bondage to the flesh. He says, that which I don't want to do, that I do. So how do we get it right to get free from that? Romans 8.1, through Christ. How do we get it right? Through Christ. Simple. Uh, let us go to um, Ephesians 4. Um, Ephesians 4 and verse 17. Let me just get Ephesians here. Ephesians 4. And we're gonna, I think we, we'll just read here from 17. It talks about uh, the, the fivefold ministry and all those kind of things. And then he comes and he says this. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard of him and have been taught of him as, um, as the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness, whereby putting away, lying. You, you see, and then he comes here with all the different things. You know that we should not uh, speak the truth every man to his neighbor, uh, for you are members of one another. Be, uh, be angry and sin not. And now he comes with a lot of rules, you know, and just things that he wants them to do. But look at 
the, the approach, the whole approach is, look at what Christ has done. Look at, you know, how the old man has passed away. Look at how you have become new. Have a vision of what has happened to you. And from here, I give my advice from this new mindset. You know, um, I, I give my advice to you. So the only way by which you can ever have true life is by fully identifying yourself with Christ to the point that your belief uh, even produces a hope or an expectation on what you are persuaded of. And that is very important. I remember, and uh, you might be somewhere in this cycle, you know, I remember when I just got into the grace message, I was so happy that God's not angry with me. You know, and glory to God. <clears throat> Should I say a swear word? Well, glory to God. You know, God is not going to judge me. He's not going to send me to hell if I say a swear word. You know, should I listen to a dirty joke? Is that now going to uh, um, rob me from my salvation? No, it's not going to rob me from my salvation. You know, I'm not going to go to hell for it. And Jesus Christ faithfully loves me just the way I am. And you know, there's a, there's a kind of a joy there. And if I don't give any money to the church, glory to God. If I don't give to the beggar, it doesn't matter. You know, because he doesn't keep book of any bad and he just loves me. That's, that's what, you know, what I, in, in the beginning, what I started out with. And I was so happy that, um, you know, God doesn't look at my shortcomings. Um, and, you know, I was so happy that God is not a sin-conscious God. And as I continued, you know, I started to realize that, and I start to see a man in the Trinity. I start to see that what he inherited is what I inherited. And then I realized, you know, and this is the path many people walk. And we can just make this whole cycle so much shorter so that we can get into the victory so much quicker and experience uh, uh, his quality of life. And then I come to a place where I realized that, you know, Christ raised me up for... His quality of life. The reason why He made me is to share in His quality of life. He made me to experience what it is to love somebody. He, he made me for the purpose of, um, you know, just feeling how it feels to be compassionate for somebody. To, to have compassion towards somebody. To have that joy of loving someone to the point that, you know, even if I'm rich, I, 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 wanna, I don't care if I'm made poor so that another man can be made rich, uh, to be consumed by knowing the value of someone else. And as I started to see these things in Scripture and started to really believe it, not by this willpower belief, but as I was just looking at this, my heart got so persuaded that I am fully one with Him and that is the end goal of Him with me, actually sharing His life with me, that I started to put an expectation on that. So I said, Lord, my body is now available for this. I'm available for kindness. I'm available for generosity. Not by commandment. I'm not going to try and be kind because the Bible says be kind to one another. Because that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, look at Christ and have a life born from Christ. Clothe yourself with a new man. How do I clothe myself with a new man? I sink into the new man. That's what the word clothe means. It means to, be, to sink into a robe, the Greek says. You know, when, when the butler comes and he clothes you with a robe, you just stand up and you allow him to clothe you. 
So how do I clothe myself with a new man? I say, Father, this body is available for your fruit. This body is available to, to bear uh, uh, your fruit in. You know, like a wife would and a husband would uh, um, come together and then uh, they would agree on having children. And then the, the, the wife would say, my body is available for bearing your child. And then, you know, she will have a child from being available, from making her body available. In the very same way, we come to the place, and this is how I see fruit comes forth in our life. This is the practical thing of how we bear fruit. Listen to the good news. Listen to the good news. See yourself unified with Christ, one flesh with Him, which I will explain, to the point that you say, this is so good, and I receive the spirit of this truth with all my heart, to the point that, man, I'm expecting the truth that I see in Christ to manifest in me on account of me being one with Him. I'm, I'm expecting holiness to manifest in my life, for I am really holy. I'm expecting to, uh, to, to lay down my life for someone else, for that is truly who and what I've been united with and what I became a owner of. Glory to God. Amen. You know, and just become serious with, with what He has done, you know, that you, can, that, that, that you can grab a hold of that which He grabbed a hold of you for. He grabbed a hold of you for a certain purpose. Now say, I want to grab a hold of that. And that is what it's actually saying. So when we read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and he says, lie not to one another. Speak the truth to your brother. You know, speak the truth to your neighbor. Be someone's neighbor. Next Sunday we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, and where you are good to, to, to somebody. You know, that is, uh, um, you say, I I'm available for that. My life is available for that. And Ephesians says it, and when he says it, I, you read it from the perspective of saying, well, if Paul says, uh, put on the new man, and then he describes the new man, and this is what he says. He says, put off the old man. How do you put off the old man? By being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind is the vital principle or the life principle from where your life flows. So what is a vital principle? The vital principle that we live by is a man in the Trinity. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I'll have to explain that man in the Trinity just once again. When you're renewed in that, then you'll have different thoughts, different expectations. And as you have a different expectation, the thing where you say, I expect this to happen, is when you actually allow the spirit of God and have that part of your members available for the spirit, to create something there. Um, you know, uh, uh, like in, in my case, when we gave that vehicle uh, to the um, uh, uh, orphanage, um, some of you guys also gave towards that. You know, I decided I want to buy a vehicle for an orphanage and a guy that deals with orphans and everything. So uh, what I did was I said, I'll, put, I'll look for a vehicle, I'll put a certain amount of money aside, we'll pay for the upkeep of the vehicle, all the services, we'll give a certain amount of money for fuel every month, and, 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 and we did all of that. And, um, you know, I, I made myself available, because I felt, I said, Lord, you know, I want to just, you know, 
I know I'm generous by you and I'm expecting that generosity to manifest in my life. And I'm available for that generosity. And then within some weeks or a month, you know, I got this idea and we did it. We did it, you know. So um, it was just amazing and we're still paying for the upkeep of it and we'd happily do it. It is such a joyous fruit to do that. There wasn't one day when we had to pay for a service or uh, fix something on that vehicle because the roads where they go is bad, you know, where we felt, oh, you know, what a schlep to pay this thing. It's just a joy because it's born from God. But the way it happened was I saw Christ and my union with Him to the point that I say I've been liberated from the law so that I can actually be liberated from the fruit of the law. For it's the fruit of the law that kills me. So, yes, He set me free from the law so that the flesh cannot have its passions manifest in this life. And now I'm available for that. Father, thank you for your grace. Now, it is not me reading Ephesians 4 or Ephesians 5 and saying, well, you know, the, there's a balance to the gospel. There's the first three chapters, which is grace, and then there's the last two chapters or three chapters, which is the balance to grace, which is the fruit we need to bear. I disagree with that. There is no balance to the message of grace. You know, we can all say amen right now and clap our hands. You know, there is no balance to grace. What do you want to balance the divine influence upon the heart plus God, plus God manifesting His life in you with? What do you want to balance that with? I mean, there's nothing to balance. I want to balance that with good works. No, no, no. He will work in you and He will bring forth a Christian virtues in you by Him living in you. Now, what do you want to balance that with? With the last three, three chapters of Ephesians? No, that, that's wrong. You can't balance it. The moment you want to balance it with, it means just one thing to me, and that is that you have never understood grace. Never. You haven't really grabbed a hold of what this is all about. Now, if you haven't grabbed a hold of that, there's no condemnation or guilt for you. Don't feel guilty about that. Just say, Lord, I want to see clearer. I want to know more. I want to understand more. Glory to God. Now, okay. Um, in the week, I, I put a video on talking about why did all people die in Adam? And that's what I want to explain just quickly. And then we're going to end this message off. When Adam um, sinned, what happened was, he, there was a man in the Trinity. Now I'm going to just use my, I've got the, the backup uh, uh, you know, power pack here for if the, this one runs out. Okay, let's say this is Adam in the Trinity. My hand is the Trinity and the Godhead. And Adam is inside there, having fellowship with God. Now, just like a farmer would have a child, and the child would grow up on the farm, and he would look at his father, and he would look at his older brother and how they farm and how they drive the tractor and the combine and the planting machine and the planter and everything, you know, and how they go and fertilize and do everything. That he will see that. And when he sees that, he will say, well, you know, I'm, excuse me, I'm part of this, this family and we are farmers. And as he then beholds his brother 
or beholds his father, his identity on who he is and why he is there is formed. He knows I am a farmer. And as he beholds that and believes that, it sh as he beholds that, it shapes his belief in what he beholds. He beholds his father, he beholds his brother, from there is his identity, and from there is born the life that the father lives. The father is a farmer. The very same is then born in the children. Now the very same principle is true with us and God. Here is Adam. And when you behold, when Adam was in the Trinity, you know, his children, the, the children of Adam, would, when, when they were born, they could look at, let's say Adam hasn't fallen. They could look at Adam and they could see my father is a man in the Trinity. I am part of the God family. The way we do things is by belief in God. God is the one that gives us life. God is the one that brings forth life in me. You know, that's, that's who we are. That's what we are. And then believe upon that. But what Adam then did was, he went and he said, well, I am not going to fellowship in the spirit of the Trinity. And he removed himself from the principle or the spirit of God. So now, whosoever was born after Adam, when they looked at God, they couldn't see a man in the, in the Godhead. All they could see is a fire, a light, thunder, smoke, lightning. They even interpreted that as anger. That is all they could see. So they had, they had no point of reference from where they could say, look at the reality, look at the truth of who I am. I'm part of this family. What person that would be born would call himself the full God kind in equality with God, seated in God, God indwelling him, him indwelling God, God his Father in the Old Testament? No one, for there was no man there that they could behold and look at. That's why everyone born after Adam, even if he did not live in unbelief, in, this, in other words, if, even if he, if he said, well, I can't be, have life by my works, you know, he couldn't have life. Because life comes from beholding Jesus, the glory of God, in the face of a man, in the Godhead, and then the Bible says, we are then changed into the very same image as by the very same Spirit. So, what Christ came to do, He came to bring a man back into the Trinity, call, the, call humans God's family, so that we can say, when the Gospel is preached, I call upon the name of the Lord, and calling upon the name of the Lord in the Greek literally means, to be willing to surname, to be surnamed, okay? So when you are saying, I'm willing to be surnamed, I see no reason why I cannot write the name of God behind my name. I'm part of this family. When you believe that, you are receiving the spirit of this family. And then he raises you up into who the, excuse me, the father of this family really is. Amen. Let's just have a look there at Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, um, and we're going to go to verse 9. Uh, I want to find that verse where it says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
If you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and you shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart man believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. Then it says here in verse 13, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let us just have the Greek here. Whosoever shall call upon the name. Um, I want to just make sure I get... You know what? I, I'm sorry guys. I, I don't have that... Um, man, I, I closed that, that page here where, where it says the Greek. But call upon the name um, literally means to be willing to surname. Guys, I don't have the, the thaya here at the moment, so sorry about that. Um, you know, but it literally means to be willing to be surnamed. To be willing to be surnamed, to take the name upon. So when we can find a man in the Trinity, and we can behold that man, and we behold that man to the point of a hope that rises in your heart, a hope of good fruit, a hope of the fruit of the Spirit. And we say, that is my expectation, Father. That's what my life is available for. Then you find the Holy Spirit bring forth that fruit in your life. Glory to God. That is a simple message that I'm bringing you today, yet a very, very powerful message. And I would like you guys to really consider you know, uh, this truth. Think upon this truth. Think about upon what Christ has really done for you. The quality of life that has come to you on account of Christ and His finished work. What can we expect from this? Listen, man. Our bodies cannot be available anymore. Now listen, maybe you struggle with, and let's get very practical here. Maybe you struggle with alcohol abuse. Maybe you struggle with gossip and bitterness and can't forgive your father or mother or that you're bound by some form of sexual immorality. There is no guilt for you, although guilt will come your way because of the thing that happens to you. And you'll have an emotion in you that says, this is not for me. That Paul would say, you know, the good I want to do, that I do, and the good I don't want to do, you know, uh, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and, and, and the bad that I don't want to do, that manifests in my life. And, and that mixed feelings that goes around with that will be evident in your life. You know, that will be there. But no, there is still no condemnation for you. Meaning, there is still freedom. There is still freedom. And the way I get set free from things in my life is I just say, Lord, you know, I don't know if it's going to take a week or a month, but my life is available for that truth. And this sin or this thing manifesting in my life shall never have a voice. The good work, neither sin has got a voice anymore. For Christ is the only word about my life. I make this available. And you know, people, I don't just do it, um, I, I, I do it in relationship with God. I sit and I talk to him and like a, a son would seriously talk to his dad about certain things and say, Father, you know, this is what I'm, I'm available for. I said, Lord, I'm available for preaching your gospel all over the world. I'm available for that. I'm available to be a husband that can love his wife that she can feel loved. 
that she can feel special. I'm available for being a father that can, um, you know, be good to his children. For I see how you've liberated me from all selfishness. I can see myself, you know, part of this family here. I, I, I see that. And as I behold that glory, I find the new spirit of being persuaded of this truth comes and gives birth to those qualities in my life. That's what the, what the Bible says. He says clearly, he says, of yourself you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you know, I'll bear fruit in you. So just abide in me. How do we abide in him? Make your dwelling in Christ. Remember last uh, Sunday, what I said about, uh, uh, I think I re read from Haggai, go to the mountain, take the wood down. What does it mean? Go to the mountain. What mountain? Golgotha. What wood should I take? Take the wood of the cross and build your house and build a house and dwell in that house. Let the cross and what happened there, let the resurrection and what Christ is be your house where you dwell, where you find safety from the scourging heat or the flood or the rain or whatever, where you find warmth and safety and, and dwell there in that truth and never leave that place. Continue to think upon that, continue to ponder on that. And as you see that, you will say, Lord, you know, this just gives me an expectation a hope, and the hope is your fruit, and I'm available for that. Amen. Man, that is, I can continue to repeat it, but that is the only message I have for you today, and I think this will really encourage you uh, unto a brand new life where you can expect that good life and be available for that. I would like to pray for people right now. You know, maybe you are um, having some sickness or you're having, you're going through a hard time. I would like to pray for you right now. Um, you know, and you are maybe having a problem with some issues in your life. First thing I want to say, the issue is not a voice. Don't give it a voice. The only voice is Christ. He is the only truth about your life. Let's not walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their hearts because of this heart hard that they have. If your heart has been calloused, you know, your belief system is against grace, you will not understand the things of the gospel. You will not understand the beauty of a person. You know, when, when your heart is flooded with law, it's so about who's right that the value of a person is lost in the whole thing. Maybe you're struggling with that. I would like to pray for all of you. Father, I want to thank you so much that I can just come right now and just lift my hands. Now I want all of you right there where you are, let us just pray together. Let's lift our hands together as a web church to the Lord. You might feel sad today because you don't find victory in some area of your life. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for those people that feel sad, those people that don't see the victory. I thank you, Lord, that they can just refocus their eyes on the finished work of Christ. As that farmer's child, look at the farmer and say, that is who I am. That is what is the truth about my life. They will find that the farmer is born in them, for they belong to the farmer and the farmer is really their father. So you are our father. We belong to you. 
That is the truth. And now we can behold the glory of God in the face of a man, Jesus Christ. And from there, Father, I can sit here in the southern tip of Africa, lift my hands to you, and in the Spirit, I'm together with all my brothers and sisters that slaughter into this web fellowship, and we take hands. I embrace them with your embrace, and I say, be healed. It's okay. It's okay. Just have your eyes focused on Him. I want everybody, let us pray these words together. Say, Lord Jesus, my body is expecting your fruit. I'm so persuaded that your life is my life. Therefore, I've got an expectation that your fruit is my fruit. Thank you, Lord, that you bring forth good fruit in my life. I'm not going to try and fake it. You will give birth to it. Thank you for loving me. Amen and amen. Father, I also stretch forth my hand to sick people right now that are struggling, going through a hard time. I declare you healed. Uh, every sick person, I declare you healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you so much that you've slotted into this live webcast. I trust that you've been deeply blessed by this. I want to ask you a favor. If you've watched this webcast, and you've enjoyed this message, please go to my Facebook page when I upload this in about two, three hours from now. And when I share it, would you just give a short comment on what this meant to you? Just, I like it, or it was good, or whatever you would like to say uh, about that. Like it, share it, if you feel to do it. That just spreads the message and just get more people to know about the gospel, know about this church, and can get more people to a safe place where they can receive pastoral care and love. Thank you so much, and God bless you guys.